Please be seated. Text this morning is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. It's a privilege to be with you today. It's always a joy to come back, renew some friendships, and see many new faces, see what God is doing here. We, we thank the Lord for you as a congregation. Philippians chapter 4, we'll read 10 through 20. Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi. Chapter 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need... For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning we await to hear from you, that you would speak to us through your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to accomplish in our lives that which you have ordained, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have a secret to share with you this morning. Perhaps you've heard the secret. Maybe this will be news to you. Here's the secret. There are health benefits to chocolate. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that chocolate can lower your blood pressure? And it can help the flow of blood. The smell of chocolate is supposed to increase brain waves, leading to relaxation. And I've read men who eat chocolate live a year longer. So the secret for today is eat more chocolate. Now, just to be clear, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not really encouraging you to eat more chocolate. I cannot guarantee this secret, but I really want it to be true. And I cannot say I've experienced the full reality of this secret, but I really want to try. Paul also shares a secret with us this morning. 
He says in verse 12, I've learned the secret. And from verse 11, we see that this secret has to do with contentment. And he wants to share this secret about contentment with us this morning. Now, you would think that such a secret could be used to make millions of dollars. But here we have the secret freely given to us by the Apostle Paul. So, what is the secret of contentment? And what effect would this have in your life if you learned this secret? Paul reveals the secret in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the first thing that Paul says here is, I can do, right? I can do. Perhaps the secret of contentment is how we respond to the various circumstances of life. Paul says in verse 12 that he's learned how to face plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul faced experiences in his life when he was very poor and he had nothing. And he faced experiences in his life when he had everything that he needed. And Paul emphasizes his response in verses 11 through 12. Twice he says, I have learned. And then twice he says, I know how. It seems that Paul has come to know the secret of contentment by how he has responded to the experiences of life. So maybe it's our response to the experiences of life that is the secret of contentment. Well, how we respond to the experience of life is important in learning contentment, but it is not the secret. There's something else behind the response that's important. So how we respond to the experience of life is not the secret. Yet we can learn something from this phrase, I can do. I can do. We can learn that contentment is not the absence of response. It's not the absence of desire. It's not the absence of the drive to do something. It's not a do-nothing attitude that has no direction in life. One day the father of the famous Webster brothers found his boys just lounging around the house. What are you doing, Ezekiel? Nothing. What are you doing, Daniel? Helping Ezekiel, sir. Resourceful boys, yes. But contentment is not a a do-nothing state of mind. It's not just doing nothing. It's not a state of passivity where we receive everything that comes our way without human reaction or without human emotion. We don't stoically accept whatever happens in our life. Yes, contentment is a response to life, and it must be learned in the trials of life and through the trials of life, but our response is not the secret. Part of our problem is that contentment doesn't come naturally to us. I mean, we're sinners. We live in a fallen world. We normally respond to many things in life with worry, anxiety, 
seeking something that maybe will bring us some kind of fulfillment. In fact, sometimes maybe you've had this experience. Worry is sort of so much a part of your life that it feels abnormal if you're not worrying about something. So how we respond is not the secret of contentment. So, if our response is not the secret of contentment, then maybe our circumstances are the secret to contentment. Paul says a lot about his circumstances in this passage. If we could just make sure that we have the right circumstances of life, you know, then maybe we would experience contentment. I mean, I think we all understand it. It would be hard to be content in difficult circumstances. It's hard to be content if you're hungry. Hard to be content if you don't have enough money to pay your expenses. Hard to be content if you're facing a major illness in life. And maybe we think that if our circumstances were different, then we would experience contentment. If I could just change that one thing in my life, then maybe I could have contentment. Better job, better grades. If I could just get married, maybe if I could just get out of my marriage, if I could just change my circumstances, then I would be content. Or or maybe we think, if I could just experience the good things in life, If my life was full of blessings, no problems, no major needs, no illnesses, then, certainly then I could be content. Isn't that how life works? Well, not really. The secret of contentment is not found in our circumstances. It's not found in having more than we need, even much, much more than we need. Having it made financially for life is not the secret. Now, material blessings in life are good things. It's not wrong to experience the the good blessings of life. Many of them come from the hand of God, but they don't bring contentment. And maybe one day you will be in a place, maybe you're there now, where you have more than you need. But if you make that the goal of your life, then you'll not be content. An abundance of material blessings many times leads to spiritual apathy and forgetting about God. You may remember the children of Israel were uh, redeemed out of the land of Egypt, and God, God brought them to Mount Sinai, made them into a nation, and then they, after 40 years in the wilderness, made it to the edge of the promised land. And, and Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, is, is preparing them to go into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. They are to take that land for God, and they are to live uh, in obedience to God. And he warns the people in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. He says that when you come into the land, you are going to experience a tremendous amount of abundance. You are going to take over houses that you did not build. You are going to take over vineyards that you did not plant. 
You are going to experience this this abundance. Your goods are going to multiply. You are going to eat and you are going to be full. And Moses warns them, don't forget the God who gave you those things. Because that's the temptation, isn't it? When life is good, the danger is to enjoy the blessings so much that we forget the God who gave us those blessings. And we easily begin to live for those blessings. Instead of worshiping God and thanking Him for the blessings He's given to us, we maybe want to get more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And before you know it, God's in the back seat. No longer directing our life. It's generally true. Adversity drives us to God. Prosperity many times numbs us to our need of God. Circumstances are not the secret to contentment. Whether you bound in plenty or whether you're barely making ends meet, each has its own spiritual dangers. Wisdom is recognizing those dangers. The only prayer in the book of Proverbs comes from chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, and it addresses this problem. Part of that prayer goes like this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal And profane the name of my God. Having the wisdom to navigate those things in life. No situation or circumstance in life can ever be the source of contentment. Now we can enjoy a lot of good things in life. And we can find satisfaction from those things. But we're talking here about something that is lasting. There is no dream that, if fulfilled, will guarantee contentment. So, if circumstances are not the secret, and our response to those circumstances is not the secret to contentment, then what is the secret to contentment? Verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through him. Who strengthens me. Okay, here's the secret. Okay, you ready? God is the source of contentment. Contentment is not found by looking within ourselves. It's not found on any, any it's not found in anything on this earth. It's not found within the horizon of life itself. Nothing in this life can completely satisfy us. There's no formula or ritual that brings contentment. The secret of contentment is found in recognizing that the source of contentment is God himself. Contentment comes from actively seeking God. No matter what your circumstances are. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, contentment is like joy in this regard. Joy is not something that is 
related to your circumstances. Happiness is, right? Happiness is very much related to your circumstances. If your circumstances are good, you're happy. If they're not good, you're not very happy. Joy is something completely different. Its source is God himself. So that we can experience joy even in the midst of trouble and hardship. Because the source of joy is not in our circumstances. It's in God. Contentment is like that. It's not found in our circumstances, whether life is going good or bad. It's found in God. It's not something that we can produce. It comes from knowing the God who has all things in his hands. And is working out all things in our life for our good and his glory. It's that perspective. And so we can experience contentment no matter what is going on in life because we are in a relationship with the God of this universe. We are in a relationship with the creator of all things who owns everything. Jeremiah Burroughs wrote the book, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. He he defines contentment in this way. He says it's that sweet Inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every situation. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in. God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. We are dependent upon our God for the things that we need. It's the attitude expressed in Psalm 131, which talks about a calm and quiet soul that's like a weaned child. A weaned child is not always seeking the source of food, but a, but a weaned child, calm, quiet, satisfied, at least for a while. Contentment we're talking about lasts longer than that. And because you believe that God is working out his purposes in your life, his sovereignty, you know that he will supply everything that you need when you need it. That's what Paul says in verse 19. He tells the Philippians, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see, this, the riches and glory in Christ take us beyond this life. It takes us into eternity. And we may not completely experience contentment full time in this life because we live in a fallen world and we're sinners and we wrestle with this. But there's coming a day when we will experience full contentment. This life is short. Eternity lasts forever. Well, Paul, in verses 14 through 18, after he makes this statement about contentment, draws out an implication for what this might mean for the life of the Philippians and for our lives today. And basically, as we learn contentment, 
there is a sufficiency in our lives that allows us to receive help and to give help. Let me put it this way. If we find our sufficiency in God, we are free to respond to others in a way that seeks the benefit of the other person. This works in two ways. There is benefit to the person who receives the help. Paul's very thankful for the help that the Philippians sent him. They they were the only church early on, apparently, verse 15, he says, that, that were helping him. And he graciously received their help. He was not offended because they thought he needed help. He was not offended because of the size of the gift that they gave him. He was thankful. This is the way the body of Christ works. God brings people into our lives to help us and to support us. And contentment allows you to receive and to give thanks for those that God brings into your lives that are able to give you help and assistance. We all need help and assistance in some way. My family first moved to Rochester, New York. My wife and I had one daughter, and then very quickly we had three daughters. This was 1981. And I moved, we moved to Rochester, New York, so I could pastor a small, urban, downtown church. And, uh, you know, they barely paid us enough money to make ends meet. So we had too much month left over uh, after our money ran out. Now, that changed in three or four years because the church stabilized, people began to come. So uh, by the time we were there, I was there 10 years by the time I left, we, we didn't have this problem, but we did have it early on. And so we rarely went out to eat. We would maybe go once a year, twice a year out to eat. I still remember our favorite restaurant, Swiss Chalet, barbecue chicken. Or we'd take the girls out to a breakfast buffet, maybe for something special. But that was it. But God provided in many wonderful ways. We got to know an elder and his wife in a local church local church in the area, and several times a year they just took us out to eat. What a blessing. Just, it, it almost seems so long ago now, because I go out to eat now at the drop of a hat, but, but what a blessing that was to take us out to eat. What an encouragement that was, and we were happy to receive that help. They exemplified the other side of this equation. They were happy to give this help. One who is content can give to others because sufficiency is found in God alone. Contentment means that we're not driven by accumulating things for ourselves. But we are free to give and to help others. And notice what excites Paul here. Verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit That increases to your credit. Paul looks beyond the gift given to him by this church to see the benefit that will come to them because they have made this gift. He's really more concerned about them than he is his own situation. And so the point of of this is that when we realize that God is the one who supplies all of our needs and we rest content in his provision... 
we are free to respond to others in a way that pleases God. So, this contentment that we're talking about comes from God. It's available to every believer in Jesus Christ. You can have this contentment. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Because the source of this contentment is God himself. He can give you rest and satisfaction. It's not dependent necessarily on what you are experiencing. And the circumstances of life become the crucible in which we as God's people learn contentment. I mean, Paul says this several times. Verse 11, I've learned in whatever situation to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in every circumstance. Verse 12, I can face plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The sad thing is that very few people know or understand this secret. People seek contentment or relief from stress in in a variety of ways. At some point, I must have either looked it up or or, or found something, probably on the internet, you know, Google something, Um, you know, how to relieve stress, okay? Well, stress management therapy, an alternative natural remedy for stress relief, might help a little bit. You can get a relaxing CD that will make you feel wonderful, guaranteed. You can breathe stress away. Effective stress reduction software and device for only $195. Here's my favorite. Stress is for lame people. Get it fixed. Stop whining. $67. I don't know what else they're going to tell you for $67, but... Or we can seek God. The secret... And true source of contentment is God himself, and it is free of charge. There's no cost. Well, I should say there is a cost, but you don't have to pay the cost, right? Many of us know people who face tough situations. We've, we've known brothers and sisters in Christ who have faced major illnesses or some very difficult situation in life, and And how they respond to those situations in life can be a real source of encouragement for us. About 10 years ago, an RTS couple, the husband was a a student, a seminary student at RTS Charlotte, and his his wife um, was probably working. And uh, they became pregnant. She became pregnant. And she had a baby boy who was born 17 weeks premature. Now, that's about four months. Four months premature. A little boy named Pierce, and he was not given hardly any chance to live. And so this couple began to write about their experience through this ordeal. We might say they blogged about it. And it's a remarkable account of the pain and the grief they experienced And how God worked in marvelous ways. Actually, Pierce did not die. He's still alive. He's in a wheelchair. 
but he's still alive. And I came across their story. Of course, he was a seminary student, so I, I, I knew about him generally. But, but, but I came across the written account of their story while I was writing a commentary on Job. What's Job about? Suffering. It doesn't answer the why of suffering, by the way. Job asked over 20 times why. God doesn't answer him. Job is about how you respond to suffering. But, but I used their written account to tell a story of Pierce in that commentary. So after each chapter, I would have another account of Pierce through up to the day, I think, that he was released from the hospital. It's a riveting story. You may want to skip the commentary section and just read the story of Pierce. About a month after his birth, he weighed two pounds, and his mother wrote these words. She says, I stumbled upon this quote this morning and thought it was so appropriate during this trying time. It says, God allows in his wisdom that which he could easily prevent in his power. As I reflected on that today, I had such a peace that God has indeed allowed this for a reason. God is not a distant father who ignores us in our problems. No, in fact, God allows these dark times in our lives for a reason. He has a purpose in it. And many of you are probably asking a question that we've wrestled with in the past. What is his purpose? How could a loving God allow our baby to suffer through such gut-wrenching times? Here's what she says. The answer is made clear throughout Scripture. To demonstrate the glory and the sufficiency of Christ. She ends with these words. The Lord is truly the only all-satisfying thing you could ever cling to. Contentment never comes easy. It seems like we have to relearn it and relearn it and relearn it in the various experiences of life that we face. It is learned in the crucibles of life. But as the hymn reminds us, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Not just temporary, but a contentment that will last for all eternity. And so, brothers and sisters, because God is the source of contentment, we must seek him. Every circumstance of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these promises. We thank you that you have the power to accomplish these promises. We thank you for Christ and what he has accomplished for us. And we pray that you would continue to work in us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that which is pleasing to you, even during the difficult days of life.
We do thank you for those blessings that you pour out upon us and help us to see those and to give you thanks. We pray this in the strong name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.